There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome back to Dead to Me, the interviews. I am Dr. Onodoro Townsend. Across the TV series Hashtag Dead to Me and on this podcast, we've explored the stories of innocent victims whose lives were taken by their partners. This series focuses on relationships born of the digital age. Technology and the internet has rapidly changed the way we connect with each other. And online dating apps, social media has brought together couples who might otherwise have never met. I mean, we know that 400 million people around the world are using online dating services. And we've all been to a Tinder or a Hinge or a Bumble wedding. This is common. It is everywhere. But as we know, unfortunately, sometimes the most dangerous person in your life can be the person you're dating. And digital dating also allows people to distort and misrepresent themselves online. As a criminologist, I study three things. So I study the criminal justice system, I study crime itself, and I study perpetrators and victims of crimes. And we're always doing that to try and work out how those systems can be better improved to help prevent future tragedies. Each case in this series involves a level of controlling or coercive abuse culminating in extreme violence. But that isn't new. Academics like myself, also the prosecution service, the police service, have spent decades looking at patterns of abuse in an effort to identify behaviours in the hope of preventing crime. In this week's episode, we hear about Catherine Smith, who met Anthony, or Tony, Lowe on a dating app. The relationship moved very fast. The couple were engaged within a week of knowing each other, and within just a few months, police found Catherine dead. We got a code blue here, uh, extensive bleeding, injuries to the head. There is a knife protruding from the side. We are looking at a murder scene here. I got a text message off Tony. I'm sorry i done it. I shouldn't have done it. I just burst into tears and screamed and screamed. That was the voice of Debbie Smith, Catherine's mom. She already had concerns about her daughter's new relationship. Initially, Lowe had been so adoring in a pattern of behaviour that we so often see in these relationships that culminate in coercive control and violence. You mean everything to me, babe. I mean that. I didn't know what love was till you walked into my life. And meeting you was the best thing that's ever happened to me. I love you. But very quickly, those messages go from adoring to controlling. Tony was texting and FaceTiming Catherine every single hour. At one point, she had 226 text messages off him. She said, don't worry about it, Mum, don't worry about it. Michael Jones was the prosecutor on this case. 
the police uh, obtained and we reviewed hundreds, if not thousands, of text messages that he was sending to her almost on a minute-by-minute -minute basis, wondering what she was doing on holiday, who she was seeing, uh, and effectively what she was up to. Tony had to be wherever Catherine was, and Catherine couldn't go anywhere without Tony. We know that the vast majority of perpetrators of domestic homicides have shown patterns of coercive, controlling behaviours. Often there is a final trigger point too, a moment when the killer believes they are at risk of losing control over their victim. This was a man who had a history of violence uh, towards women, and that, again, informed us as the type of person that we were dealing with. I know Catherine would not have gone with him if she'd known all of that. The tragic story of Catherine Smith reflects patterns that we've seen across this series. So this week, we're going to look at specific threats of online dating. What can we do to protect ourselves and our loved ones? We're speaking to two women from the US who have spent their careers working to protect victims of domestic and intimate partner violence. Hi, I'm Joy. 28 years in law enforcement. I started on the street in South Florida, in Pompano Beach, Florida. And I went to the sheriff's office after that, and I continued working on the street, handling every possible call imaginable for uh, 28 years. And um, we're still uh, fighting the fight and trying to help uh, keep women safe. I'm Laura. And I have spent my entire career, 30 years in the technology field, working for many Fortune 500 companies. I'm also a survivor of family violence. And what that means is that I grew up in a very violent home. And my father and subsequently my mother were products of generational domestic abuse. So that really set me off on a quest to understand really the patterns surrounding domestic abuse and how insidious they are and how violence can just be taken for granted. So Laura and Joy, as you know, uh, the series Hashtag Dead to Me focuses on relationships predominantly that developed through online dating. In your experiences, are there any differences in the dating process that leads to higher risks for individuals? We believe that the anonymity of online dating platforms greatly increases people's danger when using them. Now, they're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. Everyone is using online dating. For one thing, it's a great way to meet people in a way that you wouldn't have met them otherwise. However, not only is it a great way to meet your potential date, how in whatever form that might be for you, it's also a hunting ground for sexual predators. And we have seen that people, when they start chatting with people online, they really let their guard down almost as though they know them. And they see that when this person is friendly, they drop their guard and they begin to rapidly move into a relationship, ignoring all the red flags, ignoring all the danger signs, which, as you know, has put great many people at risk. And what I've realized is from the anonymity of the online encounters, what you're not getting when you're in an encounter in person is you're not able to pick up the safety intuition um, dangers that you would being signaled to you 
when you're in person and you're speaking with someone, this way you can see their facial expressions and their certain behavior and little nuances. But when you're online, you're not getting any signals. So it's all emotional. And that is something we've seen throughout the series as well. There have been at least a couple of cases where people have intentionally hidden parts of their identity or even chosen whole new names, whole new ages for themselves. So this ability to adjust how you're presenting online has to pose an additional risk. You can't do that quite so easily in an in-person setting. Absolutely. And they could be doing it from the basement of their parents' house. They, they could be doing it from a trailer. You know, you just don't know anymore. And now that technology has taken over, there are so many different things that, you know, they can use to make the backgrounds look fake and, you know, just change up different things that you weren't able to do 30 plus years ago, when you just plain met somebody in person, you d- you didn't have this. This is a whole different approach for people. And uh, unfortunately, predators are starting to hone their skills now over years, and they're seeing what works and what doesn't work. And they're running with it, unfortunately. I think it's interesting as well, because you say, you know, this is a new issue and this wasn't something that happened 30 years ago. But I think a lot of the behaviours that we see are somewhat similar, just through a different means. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Oh, definitely. Uh, A different means in that the predators can actually set up the scenario. And as Joy mentioned, you know, 30 years ago, however many years ago, when you met somebody, you would see who they were, you could see what their surroundings were like. And now they can set it up. If you even meet them on screen, they can set it up almost like a movie set. So they may be in their parents' basement. They may even be in another country or city. And all you see is what you see. So it's almost like being on television and they're the producer and the director and you're the victim. I mean, we know that dating apps is huge. I think around 400 million people are reported to be using dating apps worldwide. Obviously, we hear more now about cases where these domestic violence situations have stemmed from meeting on dating app. And that's just because I think a lot of the time that's how people are meeting. You know, I met my partner through a dating app. It's a very common way to meet people now, as you said. But what advice would you have about how to dissect those profiles? You're saying people can change the even the setting that it looks like they're living in, for instance. So what advice would you have for people listening in? How can you see through that? You know, how can you build that trust? Because it is such an important way to be able to connect with people these days. If you can treat their profile like a crime scene, you want to ask a lot of questions. We encourage people to be 40 detectives because you want to be online. You want to have fun. You want to meet somebody. However, what we've observed in many cases is that women especially are afraid to ask questions. And it doesn't mean you have to interrogate somebody. It means that you can ask questions. You can get information from people while still having fun. Again, you don't have to interrogate them, but throw a little banter in there while you're gaining information. And as Joy mentioned, the profile, treat the profile like a crime scene. And that means several things. First of all, if they don't have a picture on their profile, that's a non-starter. 
No pictures of their face initially should be a red flag. And if they do have pictures, match their pictures to their profile. Mm -hmm. If they say they like to fish, if they say they like biking and hiking, does it show pictures of them doing it? And here's a huge red flag is, does it show somebody else being cut out of the picture? And we've seen that too. Mm -hmm. And when you treat a profile like a crime scene and you start to really delve into what these profiles are saying, it can save you a lot of time and heartache. Uh, I'll tell you another tip that we recommend is look them up on social. Everybody has a social media profile these days. If they say they're an architect, do you see social media profiles and pictures of them working for an architectural firm or a banker or whatever? Make sure that what they say they do, they have a social media profile that reflects that. Because a lot of times... Uh, people will put on there, I'm an artist. And then you start asking them about their job and they say, oh, well, I, I don't do that anymore. Oh, what do you do? So, you know, anybody can come up with any job. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have seen it across the hashtag dead to me series that there, even if someone has a verified profile, they've lied about existing actual convictions that they have, things around previous domestic violence. Um, there was a, a case in Ireland as well where the perpetrator had even told his new partner that he had been away working in Spain for some months and he'd actually been in prison for that time. Mm -hmm. But there was no way of knowing that. It's a very difficult one, isn't it? Because it's a combination of allowing freedom, I guess, and, and believing in rehabilitation for offenders, but simultaneously believing that anyone, you know, male, female, should have the right to know who it is that they are dating. Being online is like being at a, a virtual Halloween party. Anyone can be anything. You can't tell what's real. You can't tell what's made up. I think to me as well, it kind of stems back to this just general idea of informed consent. And how can you have informed consent if you don't have the full context of what it is that you're consenting to? Obviously, a lot of these initial connections are forming online. But then we've seen across hashtag dead to me, oftentimes people are ending up in these relationships, which have stemmed from initially a place of not having the full context of that person's background. Can you speak a bit to how much harder it then becomes to remove yourself from those problematic, dangerous relationships once you are more invested? It does get very difficult because now they're emotionally attached. Um, they might be financially attached. They might be controlled. They might be embarrassed. Sometimes they think that they can fix it because the person is continually apologizing for whatever happened. And even if the relationship went, went bad or they're having issues and maybe somebody wants to break up, but they're continually trying to put it back together. And a lot of times the victim's family doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah. And of course, as well, you know, We've said across this series that love is a complicated thing. Even that itself can pose a very difficult situation for someone to leave because whilst you might logically recognise that the behaviour is bad, love is very complicated. It doesn't necessarily work like that in this linear fashion. So there was a US study recently that found that a third of women, uh, this was in a 1,200 people survey, a third of them had been sexually assaulted by someone they met through a dating platform. So how can people protect themselves in those early stages of dating? There are some red flags to look for before you even meet the person. 
So we mentioned the picture, we mentioned the profile. The other thing is the behaviors. Domestic abuse, violent, controlling behavior is a pattern. And you may be able to, if you know what you're looking for, you may be able to spot it before you even meet the person. Does that person try and rush you into communicating offline? On almost every platform, you can communicate via video chat. Do they try and get you off the platform to get your personal information? Do they try and meet you too soon before you even get a feel? Do they try to love bomb you? And love bombing is the first step of domestic violence and abuse. And what that means is that the victim, usually the woman, gets hooked because the person comes on so strong. You're the best thing to ever happen to me. Oh, if I'd only met you earlier in my life. And you know what? Who doesn't like to hear that? But when you start to hear things like that very early in the relationship, that's a huge red flag. The other thing is, do they try to disrespect you when you try to set boundaries? If you say, you know what, I'm not quite comfortable going offline yet. Let's just keep talking, being your flirty detective. Do they try and push you? Do they try and guilt you? Do they try and disrespect you? If they do, red flag, because that means that they are trying to dominate and control you, and they are trying to get you to do what they want, irrespective of what you want. And so once that pattern is set, even online, even before you meet them, you need to go to somebody else because there's always somebody else out there. But these are red flags that are well known in the domestic abuse pattern that can show up online and you can begin to recognize them before you even leave your house or or jump in your Uber and go meet them someplace. Absolutely. And I mean, it's so interesting as well, because these relationships are being formed in this very new way in online platforms, but these core elements are very much the same. There was uh, a really important study done by a professor called Jane Monkton Smith, who set out the eight steps to domestic homicide. Now, number one was looking at their previous behavior. Have they been coercively controlling or abusive previously? But number two is exactly as you said, uh, it's around the uh, speed at which this relationship forms and this idea of love bombing. And it's where someone is so intense that it can feel incredible. Of course it can. You're getting someone's undivided attention. You know, perhaps that's something that you've not had in previous relationships. And it means that not only are you perhaps consumed by this other person, but also it's something to hold on to. So even when situations start to go badly, we see that people are looking back at these early stages of this very intense relationship, hoping to get back to those days because it's so brilliant. That's what hooks the victims. They want to go back to that time. It's like we have heard people talking about doing drugs the first time they do drugs. The the feeling is so intense. They want to go back to that feeling. And that's what happens to victims. I want it to be the way that it was in the beginning. And what they don't understand is that it will never be the way that it was in the beginning because the way that it was in the beginning was all a facade by the predator to hook you, to to get you into that situation where you are emotionally involved. And we've seen many times, and you know, I'm sure you have, how quickly it is, like we're saying, they met them online mm-hmm. and were married in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. That's kind of scary. We saw that in this week's episode of Hashtag Dead to Me because uh, Lowe and Catherine Smith were engaged within a week of knowing each other. So it is this high intensity period that can be a real red flag. And I think another really important point to do with that 
escalation of like a media intimacy is that that can actually be used to disguise coercive control behaviors. We think of coercive control and we think that it should be so obvious. But if this person is love bombing you, they can disguise a lot of that behavior within that love bombing. You know, they're not necessarily going to say, I want you to dress like this now. Is not necessarily going to be as upfront as that. It's more likely that in this love bombing stage, maybe they're buying you lots of clothes. They're giving you loads of compliments about how you look in those clothes. And so naturally, that's how you start to dress because you love how that makes you feel. It can be even more insidious. You know, maybe they're saying, I just want to spend so much time with you. And so before you know it, you've spent less time with the other people who are important in your life. You know, it's not necessarily as clear cut as someone making demands of someone in this early stages of a relationship. That's why it's so dangerous, because it can be used to disguise a lot more insidious behaviors. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why, you know, people have to see the whole picture. They have to listen to their family and friends that are going, hey, how come we're not meeting the new person? Bring them over, bring her over. They should be excited to meet your family and friends. Something has to ring a bell in your head and say, wait a second, this doesn't sound right. I'm glad you brought up the comments about coercive control because so many people don't understand coercive control. When they think of domestic violence and abuse, they think of the physical aspect. But coercive control, which is against the law in England, it is not in the United States. We have nothing covering that at all. And it's that emotional and mental control that develops quite insidiously And it can be as subtle as a look, you know, the same way parents look at their children and that children know what that means, but nobody else knows what that means. And so once a person has been subjected to coercive control, they've been love bombed, they think they're in love with that person. And then, you know, the abusive behavior, as you said, you know, the clothing, the the family, the isolation, once all of that begins, those are all tremendous red flags. And we believe that if people, especially women, understand what this is before it happens, they'll begin to recognize it and be able to get themselves out of it so early in the relationship that many people have not been able to do because they didn't even know it existed. Absolutely. And you're totally right. Coercive control is something that is very recently in the UK been put into law. Uh, Hopefully that's something that other countries do start to follow. But to be cynical, One very difficult part of that being in law is the actual ability to prosecute it because coercive control and any law that controls behavior is going to be dependent on word against word, isn't it? It's going to be opinion. And so that's going to be a very difficult thing in practice. I'm sure you recognize that, Joy, from your extensive experience in law enforcement. Actually actioning the legal consequences of of a crime that is based entirely on individual experience is very difficult, practically speaking. A domestic call is tough sometimes for the police because one person is lying. It's very deceiving to somebody coming to investigate. Oh, I hear screaming and this and that. And they get there. She started it. She's very loud. Yeah, that's how it is. It's difficult. And the police leave and it starts up again or it gets more violent. So it's a never ending circle. 
So we have across the hashtag dead to me series two cases where the victim is male. I know that your book Street Smart Safety for Women is specifically talking about how women can protect themselves in these situations. But we also know that coercive control, isolation can be just as effective tools against male victims too. Would you say that the advice for how men stay safe in these online spaces is the same? Absolutely. These patterns of domination and control affect everybody. Whether it's male, whether it's female, whatever, however somebody identifies, the patterns of control and domination are universal. And so the tips and the behaviors that we've advised can go for anybody. Everybody can be vulnerable. And if you're vulnerable, you can be taken advantage of. All they have to do is recognize that you want or need something and you can become a victim. Absolutely. I think that's definitely something we've seen across the series is that you don't have any sort of specific perpetrator or victim profile. It's regardless of gender, of sexuality. It is a perpetrator and a victim. They can look like anyone. I think that's probably one of the scariest things as well from across the series is that there are people who are very clearly vulnerable who become victims. And then there are people who have great support systems and would not seem in the sort of traditional sense, I guess, vulnerable, as it were. So thank you so much, Laura and Joy, for joining me to talk about this series. Your insight has been invaluable. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us on today. Thank you. I spend a lot of time studying the theory But hearing the stories in this series and hearing about the victims in the words of their loved ones has been so moving. I mean, watching and listening along with you guys, there are a few themes that have really jumped out that I hope listeners and viewers in this series have picked up. In all the stories, one of the first danger signs that we always see is a relationship developing very quickly. And that can be people meeting and moving together within a couple of months, even getting married within the space of a few weeks. It's commonly referred to as love bombing in instances of coercive control, and we've seen that a lot in this series. When we spoke to Kira Lee about her mom's relationship with Thomas Nutt, she knew the relationship was moving too fast, but found it really difficult to convince Dawn Walker. Honeymoon phases in relationships, the greatest, but I think reality hit hard because the honeymoon, honeymoon phase doesn't last a long time. I told her it was too fast, and... Thomas not used to just laugh at me and say, oh, it's okay, we're in love. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As we've just talked about with Joy and Laura, we know the internet allows relationships to develop much faster. And not only that, but phones mean that partners can demand this constant contact with you, which really just allows perpetrators to extend the control they have over their victim. We've also talked a lot about this idea of a trigger point. And that's so interesting, but it's really difficult to define as well because it can be something very clear-cut, like someone trying to leave the relationship. But it can also be something totally left of field. It can be someone losing their job or financial difficulties. It can be something really minor even, like a small argument. But there is always this trigger point, which is something that makes it so much more difficult for people to leave these dangerous relationships. We hear that from Ashley Wadsworth's mom. Christy was trying to remove her daughter from a dangerous and violent situation. But when Jack Seppel realised he was losing Ashley, that became the trigger point for his heinous attack. I called her and I said, we're going to book you a flight. Okay, you're coming home. And I looked and he was there too and I said, that's enough. I'm done. So I don't know what's going on, but this is over and you're coming home. I thought, perfect, he knows we know now. If I don't hear from you, if you don't answer, I'm calling the police. So he had heard that and they both agreed. Another thing that came up time and time again in this series, and something that I think was really going to stick with me, is how isolation can be weaponized against really anyone. In almost every case, the perpetrator seeks to systematically isolate their victim. And many of these people are going through tough times, as we all do. In the final episode of this series, you'll hear the story of Benelin Burke, who was looking for love during COVID lockdown. She was relatively new to the country, and she met someone called Andrew Innes, who then quite literally isolated her further by taking a to the other end of the country where she'd never been before and knew no one. Jim Gamble led the National Criminal Intelligence Service. On many of these dating sites, uh, you will find sexual predators. It is a hunting ground. It's the nature of the beast. They go there to seek out the most vulnerable and sites like that will draw them to them. I know statistically there's over 10% of sex offenders who do frequent dating sites. So there's always a risk. Whether someone from a sheltered background like Ben Lim would have understood that, is an entirely different question. Online platforms allow people to filter their lives and their personalities. And there should be a greater responsibility on verifying profiles, because you do have a lot of cases across hashtag dead to me where the perpetrators entering these relationships already had significant histories of violent behaviour and domestic abuse, but they didn't go on to tell their future partners about it. I've seen across my socials that one of the biggest take-homes for a lot of people has been learning about Claire's Law, because a lot of people weren't even aware that it existed. And that's so important, because there are tools and systems in place that we can use to protect ourselves and the people around us. The biggest lesson for me personally has been how important it is to continue having these conversations with all of you. So I'd like to add a huge thank you to all of the families who have been generous enough to speak to us, and to the experts who've offered their guidance. 
Hashtag Dead to Me is continuing on Crime and Investigation Channel Mondays at 9. Stream the TV series Hashtag Dead to Me, that is Hashtag Dead Number Two Me, and thousands of hours of other unmissable true crime content, all ad free on Crime and Investigation Play. We have an exclusive offer to listeners of this podcast to receive 50% off a subscription to Crime and Investigation Play app. Go to crimeandinvestigationplay.co.uk and you can use the offer code DEAD2ME. Again, that's DEAD, number two, me. Offers start 1st of October 2023 and end 31st of December 2023. It is applicable for the full term of any package that you choose to purchase. The subscription auto renews at the standard package rate after the first term, depending on the package chosen. Dates might be subject to change at any time, but see the episode description for the full terms and conditions. Hashtag Dead to Me, The Interviews is a crime and investigation original podcast from First Look TV, hosted by me, Onodoro Townsend, produced by Caitlin Hanrahan, and executive produced by Sam Pearson and David Clifton. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.